the more I dug into all the different jobs out there that there wasn't a job that could afford to have that type of life that I wanted. That's right? true. And yeah. so I started asking all the parents of these people that had these houses and all these nice cars and, you know, that more of that lavish lifestyle. I was like, mm-hmm. well, what do you guys do? And every single one of them had a business, you know? Yeah. And so that was yeah. one of the reasons that I wanted to become an mm-hmm. entrepreneur is because I saw the grass was greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. And every person who had the greener grass had a business. And I was like, well, if I want that grass and I got to start something. Yeah. Everything starts with our thoughts. Thoughts dictate our beliefs, which then dictate the way we treat Welcome back. My name is Santiago Castro, your host for Food for Thought. Today we are here with Matthew Welsh. He is a investor, entrepreneur. He's in the insurance game overseas, about 650 licensed agents and growing. He's a man of faith. He's a husband and a father. And he's here with us today to share his wisdom and impart all these things that he's done and actually hopefully impart something into you today to be able to take home with you and actually apply in your life. All right. So welcome, Matthew. I really appreciate you being on here with us today. So really, I mean, going back, I know you pretty well. You're one of our clients here, um, but I really want to have you share your story. It's very, honestly, you're, you're extremely young. You're only 28, right? About 28? Uh, 27. 27. Oh, yeah. even younger, right? So you're 27. You're about like almost two years older than me, which is crazy to think. Um, and I, I get to meet a lot of people and usually a lot of people that are where you're at are always a lot older. Um, and I know there's a lot of people within our audience that really like like want to be able to do what you're doing, and including myself. So, um, but before we get to all that stuff, I really wanna talk about like where you came from, like your family and really what your story is. And then we'll go into all the other stuff. So yeah, yeah man, I would love for you to share. Well, Sansi, super grateful to be on the show and I really appreciate you having me. I, Obviously, I've worked with you the last seven months or something like that. You yeah. And Optic Element team. And you guys have just been absolutely incredible. You know, Thanks, and you man. can just tell how good of people you are. And, and the success of every organization is obviously dependent on the leader of that organization. Mm. So obviously, you're doing a great job, man. Thanks, so man. I was excited to be on the show with you today. And to answer your question, um, you know, I came in, I actually started entrepreneurship back when I was like 15, 16 years old, mm-hmm. um, got introduced to a multi-level marketing company back when I was mm-hmm. like 16, 17. And uh, at that time was working at Jamba Juice. Yeah, right? yeah. And I uh, ended up quitting Jamba Juice full time. I had some guy got up on stage and he talked about how he dropped mm-hmm. out of school with like one month left in college at SDSU. Dang quit his job as a banker, right? Mm -hmm. Broke up with his girlfriend of like seven years and was like, I'm going full-time in entrepreneurship. And obviously I was 16, 17. I thought that was super inspiring. (laughs) So I was like, I don't got a girlfriend, but I'm going to just quit everything that I'm doing too. And so I left Jamba Juice and got into multi-level marketing actually. Mm. Obviously, um, love the the growth atmosphere of it. Mm-hmm. Love the environment and the culture. Wasn't the biggest fan of how the business was set up and the yeah. lack of coaching and the systems there. And so I ended up filtering myself out from that. A um, couple of years later, tried to start a marketing and website company. So I was mm-hmm. doing like search engine optimization, marketing nice. websites for um, me and my business partner, a guy named Mike Barron. And so me and him were starting that business together. Um, didn't really see a lot of 
my passion in it, wasn't really happy with it. I didn't really feel like I was making that big of a difference in that business. And so mm-hmm. from there, ended up transitioning into the life insurance industry. And that's kind of how I got into the life insurance industry. I was 19 years old and- Oh, wow. um, you're came, young. Yeah, I came in at 19 years old and Dang. I looked 12. So I was like 19 <laughs> going on 12, no facial hair at all. And everybody told me that they had investment accounts and retirement accounts longer than I've been alive. <laughs> right? Dang. So it was a little bit of an uphill battle there. Yeah, but yeah. that was kind of my- introduction to uh to business and into entrepreneurship yeah that's crazy and i kind of known that now makes a lot of sense where why you're at where you're at today because that's almost like a little bit under 10 years ago for you Mm -hmm. and that's like i mean you had an early start in entrepreneurship which is kind of something that i i wish i i did when i was kind of growing up because i joined the marine corps when i was 18 I didn't get into real entrepreneurship because I was like, you know, I'd sell candy in high school and yeah. stuff. And and so <laughs> that was, candy. yeah, candy, yeah, yeah, good candy, right? <laughs> Not drug candy. But I ended up, you know, getting into entrepreneurship maybe when I was like 20, uh, like 20, 21-ish. And so that makes a lot of sense. So for you, what was it that really drew you to entrepreneurship? Because you were working at Jamba Juice. Were you in college or? Uh, no, I only did no. about six months of college. Okay, why? The only, <laughs> the only reason I went to college is just because everyone that I knew mm. was going to college. And makes sense. I was like, I want the same experience as everyone else that I knew. You That's know? true. And so I went for about six months and um, ended up coming back. But um, I think what really got me wanting to be an entrepreneur is back in high school, I had a f- good friend that lived down in La Jolla, right? And I mm-hmm. grew up in Claremont area. Um, and so I had a good friend that lived in La Jolla, which is one of the most prestigious, obviously, places that you can live in, in California yeah. or the United States even. Yeah, it's right? beautiful. Um, and so I would go down to La Jolla all the time, mm-hmm. right? And I would just see all these beautiful homes, right? And a lifestyle mm-hmm. that growing up, I didn't even knew existed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I feel that. Just unbelievable houses. Like I remember going over to this one person's house and um, I remember we went into the garage. I was like, what is this? car plugged into the wall like what is this right <laughs> yeah yeah and um and i was 16 years old at the time i had a you know 1993 ford exploder right mm-hmm. where you're driving and the windows would roll down as i was driving because <laughs> the motors were all broken and you know i had to pray for it to start you know bought it for 300 dollars. oh and dang we, me and my dad built the top end on it so that way i had something to drive right and so mm-hmm. was at this house right never even seen anything like it and we're in the garage and i'm like why is this car plugged into the wall like this is mm-hmm. insane i was like dude, what is this? And I asked one of the kids mm-hmm. and he goes, oh, it's my dad's car. Um, that car is called a Tesla. Oh, it's the first Tesla that has ever been made and it's not on the market yet. But mm. in the next couple of years, it's going to be a car that people can actually buy. Dang. Right? And yeah. so when I just started experiencing and seeing the more lavish life, mm-hmm. I started doing that money math, you know, like yeah, you yeah. Start calculating like, all right, what industry can I go in and yeah. what, what can I do mm-hmm. to make enough money to have these type of things? And I started mm-hmm. realizing that the more I dug into all the different jobs out there that there wasn't a job that could afford to have that type of life that I wanted. That's right? true. And yeah. so I started asking all the parents of these people that had these houses and all these nice cars and, you know, that more of that lavish lifestyle. I was like, mm-hmm. well, what do you guys do? And every single one of them had a business, you know? Yeah. And so that was yeah. one of the reasons that I wanted to become an mm-hmm. entrepreneur is because I saw the grass was greener on the other side mm-hmm. and every person who had the greener grass had a business. And I was like, well, if I want that grass and I got to start something, yeah. you know, that's, and that's how I got into it. That's interesting. And then, so you, where you went to college for six months. Mm-hmm. And then what was that moment where you're like, I'm not doing this anymore for you? How, how did that happen? Yeah, man, it was kind of 
strange to be honest with you. Do you know when you're asleep but you're awake and you can't get yourself to wake up? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it happened three days in a row, right? Mm-hmm. Where I was at school and I used to sleep in my car in between classes, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd go to my car and I'd sleep in, be- in in between classes. And for three days in a row, I had like this where I would wake up and I couldn't open my eyes, mm-hmm. right? And for me, just being a person of faith, I was like that just does not seem right. Like there's something yeah. going on here. There's something wrong here. I got to get out of this environment. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I literally went home after that third day and this was on, I believe it was either a Wednesday or a Thursday. And I went home to my roommate, Steven, who mm-hmm. was also from San Diego. And I was like, dude, I can't be here anymore. I was like, something's, mm. something's off. Like there's Dang. something wrong about this environment. I just don't feel like morally I'm supposed to be here. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was Santa Barbara. So I was living in Isla Vista, Santa Barbara, which was oh. obviously like yeah. a party yeah area, right and i was like i there's something that's telling me i needed to leave so literally the next day we listed our room mm. on you know forget what we rent i think it was like craigslist or something like that we put yeah, on yeah. and the next day me and him both moved back down to san diego literally Dang. like that we that's like, crazy we he felt the exact same way too oh so it's kind of funny that's but, good at least you had yeah. somebody kind of like on board with you <laughs> yeah. i feel like a lot of times people would just be like nah man you're just you're just being extra yeah. and then like just kind of write you off mm-hmm. that's interesting and then so you so you ended up you you went to college had that experience and then you decided to go into the industry of jamba juice and then you <laughs> did that for a while and then you had that moment where then you just quit everything went full into entrepreneurship for you like i know I know a lot of people nowadays are kind of like, I feel like entrepreneurship is more of is more appealing now than it ever was. And mm-hmm. I feel like the pandemic has a big part to play in that. Um, but I feel like within the noise of a lot of people within, whether on social media, like I feel like there's a lot of gurus out there um, that are just like, yeah, you got to be an entrepreneur, like forget what you're doing um, and just go in on, on all that. For you, you actually did that and it worked out. What were the key components that actually maybe looking back on it now made that happen for you? Because a lot of people now, I feel like, don't have necessarily the the grit or the potential to do that. And they're kind of like scared, like, well, I don't want to leave my job at Jamba Juice or whether they're in like working at a real estate, uh, like let's say a real estate, um, well, not real estate, like a retail store or within the military, because that was an issue for a lot of people in the military. It's like, I don't want to leave this comfort and go into entrepreneurship. So what would you say is like the main factors, I know you talked about this before, that helped you do that and then be good at it? Yeah, I think there's two things. You know, I think number one, I just have always looked at like, what's the worst case scenario, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's the worst possible thing that could happen? And is it really that bad? Yeah, yeah. Is it really that bad, Mm -hmm. right? And I think the majority of things are like, aren't that bad. Like if you really look at it, the grand scheme of things, like, you know, and so when I was going into entrepreneurship, I was like, all right, what's the worst thing that can happen? All right, I have to go get another job. Okay. What's the best thing that can happen? I actually make this work. Mm-hmm. I build a business that contributes to the lives of other people where in return, we now are able to bring in more revenue and high profits and I'm able to do well for myself and become financially independent. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, the worst case scenario is not that bad. Anybody can always find another job, especially if you're the type of person that has a great work ethic, right? Mm-hmm. You can always find another job, right? Yeah. Everyone's always hiring. I think like right now there's p- places are trying to find people to work. Yeah. You know, like people are having a hard time finding people that want to work. Right? That's true. Yeah. So I think it's easier now than ever to be able to drop everything that you're doing and still have the backup of you can go get a job anywhere else. Right. So mm-hmm. I looked at the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario wasn't that bad. So that was number one. Number two is I've always had a high belief in me. 
Mm. Right. And I think a lot of that comes from just keeping the promises that I made to myself and um, just being a person of my word where I've had a good reputation with myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think when you have a good reputation with yourself, it doesn't matter what's in front of you. You start to build this confidence that it doesn't matter what comes up. You know that you're the type of person that can figure it out. Right. Yeah. So you may not know how to do it. You know, you may not have the resources to do it. But if you know that you are resourceful enough to go find the resources, then you're good. Right. Yeah. Because like in our world, like there's not a lack of resources, especially with technology. Right. There's yeah. not a lack of resources. There's a lack of resourcefulness. Right. Yeah. Where people have a they're they lack the ambition to go find what's needed in order to make it happen. Yeah. And so I just kind of have always been that person, at least with myself, where I just knew I can count on me, right? It's like, mm. well, I don't care what happens to the world, I can trust me. I don't care if all the adversity hits, mm. I'll find a way to make it happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's just kind of a reputation that I've built with myself over the years and playing sports all my entire life, you know? Yeah. And so I think that was a big, big part of it. You know, just yeah. the belief in myself and the worst case scenario wasn't that bad. So send yeah. it, you know? Yeah, I like that. I like, I like how you say like, you know, what's the worst case scenario? Because that is very true. I feel like a lot of people get really caught up in their emotions of like, oh, if this doesn't work out, it's mm -hmm. going to be really bad. But they never look at like, but what would that really bad look like for real? Like, you know, okay, am I, do I have to live in my car? Is that is that doable? Like, I mean, I don't mind living in my die? car. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like worst case scenario, you die. Is it possible you're going to die? No. Then, then maybe what is the worst case scenario? And I like that. Yeah. Makes it more kind of grounds you more to the realisticness of whatever it is you're doing. Um, the other thing too, you saying, believing yourself. Uh, I really want to kind of sit on that for a little bit. Cause I've, I feel like in a world of, of like motivation and inspiration, people that, that the term believe in yourself has been thrown around a lot. Um, but what does that look like practically for you? Like, how did you get to a point where, hey, like, I be like, it's easy to say, I believe myself. I can say that, but not truly believe myself. Yeah. But what are the actual practical things that you've done where you have this reputation with yourself or if the internal version of you says that you're going to do something that the external version of you and all your doubts are like not as as worried as like, oh, may is it going to happen or not? Because you yeah. seem to have like, a, a, like pretty much like this, uh, like, certainty that if you say you're going to do something it's going to happen which is similar to what i do because same thing with me like when mm -hmm. i joined the marine corps i was like i'm going to make this happen i don't care what i have Send to do the flowers yeah exactly yeah. i'm literally like i'm gonna completely just figure it out within whatever it is especially in today's world like i tell everybody even within our team like everything is a google like search away or a youtube search away mm -hmm. in reality that's how it is um but practically what does it look like to believe in yourself like how do you even build that muscle like how do you do that yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a couple things to it. Um, for me, I grew up in a family of faith, right? Yeah. And so sure. I know who created me and I'm strong in my faith. And so mm -hmm. I think there's a different frequency that people and people of faith vibrate at when they're when they truly are confident in where they come from. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I know where I come from. Right. And I, and I know I have a relationship with my creator. So that gives me confidence just right then and there. Right. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two, I think it's making and keeping the promises you make to yourself. I think that's a big part of it. It's like if you say you're going to do something, do it, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's inconvenient, even if you set it in an emotional state, because that's when most yeah. people throw out like the big goals and the big commission or commitments, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, if I say I'm going to do something, now I have to go do it, right? Yeah. Um, and then number three, I think the majority of my confidence and belief in myself has come from just doing the things that I knew other people weren't willing to do, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I really believe that. Like, you know, I just looked at what everyone else did and I was like, I'm gonna go further, 
right? Yeah. And it was like the little things too. It wasn't even the big things. It's like if you go to a shopping center, right? And you're in mm -hmm. the store, most people bring out their cart and then what do they do? They just leave their cart in the middle of the road or in the middle of the street or they just throw it in some random spot. Yeah, yeah. For me, I just looked at everything as an opportunity to build confidence. I looked at everything as an opportunity to separate myself from the pack. So if mm -hmm. everyone else was just going to leave their cart in the middle of the parking lot, I was the guy or I am the guy that's like, all right, I'm going to take my cart and I'm going to go put it back in the store, right? Yeah. Because I'm going to just go the extra mile, mm -hmm. right? Everyone else is leaving it for the workers and I know they're being paid to do that. Yeah. But why don't I separate myself? How about I be the person that does things differently, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's like you walk by a piece of trash. I feel like most people just leave it. It's like, well, can you pick it up, right? Mm -hmm. You're, there's water, water all over a sink, like clean it up, like whatever it might be. It's yeah. just like, I think when you do all the little things that you know other people aren't willing to do, even though they have no relation to financial success, like not even yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they have, I think it connects to your mental success because sure. now you are starting to stack all these reasons on why you feel like you deserve to win yeah. and why you feel like you deserve to be somebody and why you feel like you deserve to have the success and whatever mm -hmm. that success looks like for you, right? Yeah. So for me, like I try to root everything that I possibly can, like the littlest things, right? Like I drink more water than everyone else. So mm -hmm. I'm, that's not like an actual statement. There's people yeah, yeah. drink more water than me, but like I drink a ton of water, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so because I drink a gallon and a half of water every single day, I feel mm -hmm. like I'm going to think more clearly. Like, so that's why I deserve to win or if everybody sure. else works eight hours i'm gonna go work nine if everyone else mm. gives 70 percent, i'm gonna give 100 percent. if everyone else can walk off the field i'm gonna train so hard that i can't even walk off the playing field right yeah. so i just tried to do everything in that way and i think it allowed me to believe a belief in myself where it's like mm. i know i'm always willing to go the extra mile yeah. and because i know i'm willing to go the extra mile throw me in the fire mm -hmm. and i know i'm gonna come out and i think that's kind of how i built that belief in myself was yeah doing all the little things that have no relevance to success, but it helps me program my mind to feel like I deserve to have success. Mm. And my confidence and belief is rooted in that. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. I think also too, like, cause I'm reading this book called The Molecule of More. Okay. And how all of the things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis with the cars that we want, the people we want to be with is all dictated by chemicals in our brain. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what it is. Like you do these little things and like it fires these chemicals in your brain because your brain doesn't know the difference between you cleaning the sink and going above and beyond and then going above and beyond your business. Yeah. It's the same to your brain. Your mind knows the difference, but your brain doesn't. So these chemicals are firing. So then you're just getting into this repeated pattern of doing that. So you take that and like I tell our, our team all the time, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yep. So then that kind of tends that translate over because i think that's one of the biggest things with people's misbelief in themselves is that they i mean if you think about it like within if you were to separate yourself from yourself and say like would you believe this person right let's say if i would believe you uh, the way i would distinguish is that like, okay do you do what you say you're going to do and then mm -hmm. do you show up when you say you're going to show up yeah, and then how do you carry yourself in the big things and the small things and then it's so much easier to then say like, do I believe you? Yes or no. And, and I do, cause I see, I see the way you work, but then I feel like people don't do that with themselves. So mm -hmm. I feel like that, I, I like the way you depicted that. It really, it really helps. I feel like practically, cause I, a lot of times I'm not a huge fan of like when people just throw out like, oh, believe in yourself. Cause it's a lot of people say it, but I know some people get frustrated cause it's like how, yeah. cause it can be a little hard to do it on a practical level. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely like that, man. I, I want to actually go back into, cause you said it earlier, how you, came from a family of faith um and i just want to reiterate i know you didn't but i just want to reiterate for the audience that you didn't come from a family of money right you were yeah. just kind of like you're the first person within your generation or within your your family line to be able to come out on top financially 
Um, but you did have a lot of foundational things rooted from faith. I want to talk a little bit about that. Like, how was it growing up um, financially, but then also on the on the aspect of like spiritually? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I literally feel like I I had such an amazing childhood. You know, mm-hmm. I really feel that way. Um, you know, my mom had a daycare right that mm-hmm. she owned, right? And you know, there's a lot of kids I was in attendance to that daycare, and all the staff were like aunts and uncles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cool because growing up in then it was a Christian daycare here in San Diego. And so growing up in that daycare, I saw my mom having control over her schedule. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was a big part of it. Um, and I think it just instilled a different level of like belief too, right? Like when you Mm -hmm. see your, your mom and then also my dad was a contractor about his own self-employed contracting business. Right. Mm -hmm. And so from a household, I had a mom who had her own daycare. I had a dad who had his own contracting business. So they didn't consider themselves entrepreneurs in any way. Cause I don't think they even, that word even existed in their (laughs) minds, but Mm -hmm. they just wanted to have the time freedom to spend with their family. Right. Mm. So by her having her daycare, by my dad having his own self-employed contracting business when it was based off his own performance. Right. They were able to have the time to spend with us. Right. Mm. Um, And so I grew up in a family where both my parents were very, very involved. Never miss a game for me and any of my brothers. And we played three, four sports at a time. Right. Oh, wow. Um, And I think having that foundation of faith, my mom's a worship leader in the church and my dad did a lot of missionary work and just having that foundation I think it just allowed me to see the world from a different lens. You know, like yeah. I really do. I think I yeah. I have a lot more faith in humanity than I think a lot of people. Like yeah. probably not good to say, but I'm the type of guy <laughs> that leaves like my truck open, unlocked with my keys and everything in it. You know, yeah, I yeah. talked about earlier with you how, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up in a house where the front door of my home was always unlocked. So, like we didn't lock our home. Like we yeah, just had yeah. this different level of faith in humanity than mm-hmm. other people because of it. Right. But I think it's also where a lot of confidence comes from. I think it's where a lot of peace comes from. I think it's mm. where um, you just, you you feel whole, you know? So I yeah. think I found out or I figured out to an extent like who I was earlier because I was Smart, in yeah. contact with my creator. And I think the only way to really know who you are is to have a relationship with the person who created you or the, yeah. you know, the God that created you. And so I think that that's where, like I talked about earlier, like mm-hmm. the belief comes from as well. Yeah. Right. Um, but it made a huge impact in my life growing up in uh, that type of family. Like you said, we struggled a lot financially, right? But we didn't struggle like when it came to love and as a family, you know, like they always figured out a way to make it work. And I think that's one thing my parents did an incredible job at. That's awesome, man. I kind of want to dive deeper too into your faith. Like what was it? for you that kind of really solidified your relationship with God. Like for me, cause I, I'm same thing, man of faith. And I, I had like, you know, my, my own journey growing up. I was like, I grew up Catholic and then my mom like converted to Christianity and I was like already super resentful of religion. And then I just became super rebellious, didn't want anything to do with God. And then have a whole encounter when I moved here to California and then my life changed like 180 and then all in for God and been like that since like, I think, 2017 Mm -hmm. and um but i'm really curious to know your story within that like what was it did you have a moment did you just just grow up and you know you just had that connection with god or was it you know something crazy i know some people have crazy stories some people don't but i would love to know your story behind that to be honest with you man i think it was just always like my true north Mm. right it's like when you just know something's off or like i think that's like friends when i lived in santa barbara and i woke up three days in a row like i was like i had to where I couldn't wake up. I was like, I got to get out of this because my true yeah. north was, my compass was off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think same, kind of same thing happened where I grew up in a family of faith. 
you know, very involved in it. And then obviously as you go on through that like high school phase, yeah. you become very rebellious oh, of yeah, it, yeah. right? You're mm -hmm. like, because you want to know what the other side is like, right? So yeah. you become rebellious of it. But I think you always kind of have that gut feeling of what's right and wrong. Right? 100%, yeah. And I think that was always my biggest thing. Like I had the, the, the temperature gauge or the compass or the true north, whatever you want to call it, of what's right and what's wrong. And everything mm. always led me back, right? Mm. And for me, I only sleep good at night. <laughs> and I don't sleep very well, it, mm. like regardless, but like I, I sleep better when I know I'm always on the right side, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. And so for my own personal sanity and being able to even sleep at all at night, like I got to be operating in that. And so yeah. I think it just helps guide me, you know, like, mm -hmm. like I said, growing up in it, super strong family of it. It became my true north, went rebellious, but everything always kind of guided me back. Right. Yeah. And then when I started getting into business or as I started doing better in business, I mm -hmm. realized like the better human being I was, or like not the better yeah. human being that I sounded like or what I look like. It's very yeah. easy to say the right things and sound good. But like mm -hmm. to be able to look yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm a good person. Yeah. You know, and like really mm -hmm. feel that about yourself. Right. Um, and be like, I really care for people. Like I, I'm not watching things I'm not supposed to be watching. I'm not listening to things I'm not supposed to be listening to. Mm -hmm. I did not treat anyone poorly. I don't believe in disrespect. I believe yeah. in always keeping your word. I believe in doing things with integrity. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that all kind of stems back to faith, right? Yeah. Um, and so for me, the, the more I am there or the closer I am to that, the better I feel about myself and the better I feel about myself, the easier it is for me to operate and execute. Yeah. Right. I think when you're in this constant spiritual battle between like mm -hmm. who you're being and who you know you're supposed to being, right? Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to be in a flow state and in a peak state where yeah. you're battling between who you are being and then who you know you're supposed to be. And I think it's hard to execute at an optimal level and it's hard to execute at a high level yeah. when your frequency is out of whack. You know yeah. what I'm saying? 100%. And so I just realized like I execute better. So I, in business, I just realized that, and I didn't get strong in my faith because of business, but I just realized the stronger I was in my faith, the better I did in business mm. because I was just able to stay in that high frequency. I was able to stay in that flow state. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%, and so then yeah. it caused me to dive deeper back into it. So I went through that rebellious phase and then business kind of brought me back to it. Yeah. And then that's where like we just I started getting stronger in it and spending even more time on it even mm. you know more intentional about it and then it got stronger and stronger and stronger again yeah. so I would say I lost it for a while right mm. the true north was always there because I always knew yeah. something was wrong right when I wasn't operating yeah, yeah. Away. but when I found it back I went harder mm. into it and then I realized the stronger I was there the easier everything else became in my life interesting yeah no I think because I had something similar happen when I was so again I grew up Catholic Christian and I knew the Bible like from the inside out just because I went to the school, the CCD, mm -hmm. the Catholic school, and then I did like the Bible studies and all that. But I was so rebellious in the aspect where I didn't really apply it, but it wasn't until I became an adult um, where I still had that same true north. And and I actually, it's funny because I was starting my my like entrepreneurial like yeah. adventure where um, I was like look, reading all these books. I was like reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like Dave Ramsey's like, you know, Total Money Makeover. And I'm like, I'm going to change my life. I read uh, Think and Grow Rich. And I'm over here reading all these books and uh, really trying to be, you know, financially secure and also just be like, you know, a great uh, entrepreneur is really the, the journey. But within mm -hmm. that journey, um, you know, God really just 
like intervene. And I'm very, very big on believing that God meets you, you know, where you're at. You don't have to encounter him at church um, all the time. You know, he, he want he seeks you. And uh, it's funny. I had some guy uh, that I was working with at the time, some Russian dude that um, was in the military with me. And he, he just started selling me on Jesus. And I was <laughs> like, no, I'm good. Like I'm not my thing, you know? And I ended up um, leaving that situation with, you know, this like, you know, was that you God kind of thing. And from there, I met another entrepreneur who then recommended, um, he was telling me like, you know, all these great things to do as an entrepreneur. He was very successful. And I was like, yeah, give me a book recommendation. He's like, well, number one book I recommend is the Bible. And I was like, you know, why, why is somebody like you? Everything else is based off of it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then I realized that, I'm like, why is somebody like you recommending the Bible? And then I, as I started looking more into the Bible, because I went back to church and stuff, I started seeing the the connecting dots of like everything that's in Think and Grow Rich is just a ripoff from the Bible. Yeah. They just call it the universe yeah, instead of so that way what more it is. People read it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And literally, yeah. And then, and that's really what that's it was. They get killed when they wrote it. That's true. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> and then I'm over here like, man, like I, I've realized that a lot of these things that I was trying to do, God already had, had mm-hmm. the answers to. And, um, and then within that, uh, you know, like I realized, you know, all these things uh, just started transforming outside of just business and like my personal life. And and I realized within that journey, it was kind of where God met me. And and I, I feel the same exact way when I'm when I'm like aligned with God, I, I perform way better in business. I feel like mm-hmm. I can do more uh, within not only business, but within my family, within my church, serving yeah, and all that stuff. Really feel like I don't, I, I don't have as, as like a, my capacity is a lot higher for sure. Mm-hmm. And when I'm not like in the moments where I, whether it's like, if I feel more like if I'm depressed, I'm not seeing myself as who God created me to be, then my performance goes down. I don't perform as well. I feel like at the end of the day, I'm like, I didn't get done what I wanted to get done. I don't feel the energy to go serve and all stuff. And it just, I definitely feel that. And I think honestly, as entrepreneurs too, I think it's also an advantage, um, you know, when you think about it too, because I like invite God into everything mm-hmm. in my life. I invite him into my business and all of our core values within our company are biblical based. And I mean, they don't seem off rip like biblical based, but <laughs> they all are. Yeah. And then um, I realized that, you know, translates and meeting people like you and then you kind of see that, and especially you being a faith, you're able to identify it. But even with people who aren't of faith, they understand it. Because naturally, I think that the Bible is just so full full of so much wisdom. And whether you believe in God or not, you can follow the principles in it and you will succeed. Like, you know, I've seen it happen before. Even like, you know, the law of attraction is uh, like literally within the Bible. It does not call the law of attraction, but you can take that and, and run with it and it'll work partially. Yeah. But you're like, I think you're not capitalizing it as you could yeah. um, versus if you knew the creator of the law of attraction in a sense. And so uh, that's awesome. And I love, I love that you kind of had that experience because I always love talking to entrepreneurs who are high performing and they have a relationship with God because it's something that for me is always like, like prominent. Like I, I feel like I feel like some people who may not believe in God and see people doing well in business think that we just put God on on the sidelines. But if anything, like like I feel like my business wouldn't be my business without God or yeah. I well, wouldn't be who I am, you know? And I don't want to interrupt you. No, yeah. But I think it's like the way I look at it is like my business is my ministry. Yeah. Right. hundred no, like, percent. That's the way I'm helping people. And it's also a way to be an example, you know? That's true. But I think one of the biggest things as well, like where you look at the highest performing entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? They're all abundance driven. Yeah. Right. All abundance driven driven. And you even look at like tithing at church. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think one of the reasons tithing is there is to teach people abundance. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Because when you hold on to everything, like when you hold on to every dollar you spend, it means yeah. that you don't feel like more of it's going to come into your life. Right. That's true. But when you yeah. think that there's an abundance of money, right, where money comes to me easily, frequently and abundantly, right, mm-hmm. where you just feel like it just will always be flowing in. Now you're not afraid to give it away. And so for me, like every single time where I'm like being scarce with my money, that's typically when I send it because yeah. I'm like I'm operating in scarcity. Right. And so I think the biggest difference between people who thrive financially, succeed in business, they operate from abundance while everyone else is operating from scarcity. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that um, true people that are walking in their faith operate in is they operate in states of abundance. Yeah. And and it's so cool because it's like from a like biblical, spiritual perspective, like, you know, we go to church to tell you to give and all that stuff. Um, But then from a perspective of like, let's say in the world, um, like even from a science perspective, like whatever your belief is, is going to be your limitation. Mm -hmm. So if you're believing that money is very like limited and that you can only have so much of it, then that's how you'll carry yourself out to be versus if you believe that, Hey, I I believe that I can make money in the snap of a finger if I wanted to, because I have the skill set, the know-how and the resources, then I'm not afraid to give it away. And I'm not afraid to go do things to make more money. Cause it's like, really, it's, a, it's like the thermometer of your life. And it's crazy. Cause like from a scientific standpoint, it's actually proven that a lot of people who have, whatever you believe is going to be set your trajectory within your life. Yeah. But then it's also always been biblical, you know, it's, it's like, which is crazy to me to think that. And, and it's, I like that you're bringing, bringing that up too, because kind of to kind of shift the conversation a little bit slightly, um, next year we're per, like pretty much going into this recession. I know I say with, you know, these air quotations <laughs> just because it's going to be different from, I mean, I personally, I'm not like a recession expert. And in 2008, I was, you know, like I wouldn't, I don't know if it's probably like in elementary school. So I don't know what it actually looks like, but based off, you know, other clients that I've talked to and, you know, other people that I know have been through recessions, it's just it's going to look different, but um, doesn't change the fact that people are going to shift into that scarcity mindset. Yeah. Um, but you being somebody who obviously has success financially and within, you know, the ability to produce, what would your like advice be like going into this next year? Yeah. Well, I know they're saying that we're not in a recession, you know, but mm-hmm. we're in a recession. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the market's been down for more than two consecutive quarters, you know? Yeah. So technically we are in one from a financial perspective. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter if we're in a recession or you're not, it's all going to come down to your behaviors. It's always, mm-hmm. always going to come down to how you respond to it. Right. Yeah. Cause it's never the situation. It's how you respond to the situation. So the way I look at it is you just got to take more calculated risks. I mean, you should be taking calculated. If you are going to take a risk, it just needs to be calculated, right? Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, if you're going to be investing, it needs to be calculated, right? Yeah. If you are, um, if you're going to be buying something, make sure it's calculated, right? Like do, do the money math, right? Like make mm-hmm. sure that it makes sense, right? Yeah. Like we were about to buy this property and I decided not to just because of kind of what's going on. And I'm not playing scarce because we also just bought another property three months ago, even with all the craziness. But yeah. I did it in a way where I knew we were going to be good no matter what, right? It was calculated. Mm-hmm. If the market yeah. tanked, we're still in the green, right? We mm-hmm. can get out of it at any time, right? Um, but I would just recommend to A, you know, have money saved, right? Save as much money as you possibly can, not in a scarcity for scarcity reasons, right? Even though it is important to have money saved just for peace of mind. I think you should have money saved because there's going to be a lot of opportunity, 
right? Mm-hmm. I think over the next you know six to 12 months, there's gonna be a lot of opportunity where you can buy things at a discount, right? Wealth is not created in up markets. Wealth is created in down markets, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's one of the reasons that Warren Buffett's been sitting on so much liquid cash. It's because he knows that everything's gonna be on sale, right? Yeah. So there's gonna be some of the wealthiest people that you will ever meet, I really believe, are gonna come out of this next 12 months or like 12 to 18 months. Nobody knows how long it's gonna be. Right? Yeah. Um, but I think you're gonna see a lot of wealth built for those that are prepared to capitalize on it, right? Yeah. So number one is have money saved is what I would mm-hmm. say. Um, number two, I would say don't give in to all the scarcity and all the hype either, right? Like mm-hmm. the news makes money by scaring you, right? Because yeah. fear sharpens <clears throat> listening. So the more afraid mm-hmm. they can make you, the more people are gonna listen. And they get paid based off how many people listen, right? They get paid off views and they get paid off how many people are listening. So guess what they're going to try to do? Scare everybody into watching, Mm -hmm. right? So I think it's important to be aware of what's going on. I think it's important to be calculated. I think it's important to be strategic. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to have money saved. But I also think it's important to execute because I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is all of a sudden fear happens because what's going on in the economy and then people just become sitting ducks and they don't do anything, right? Yeah. This is where you need to rally. This is Mm -hmm. where you need to go all in. This is where you need to go even harder. So that way you can position yourself to take advantage of it. If things drop, you're ready. But if things don't drop, well, then guess what? You're going to be light years ahead of everyone else that became, you know, a deer in headlights. You know what I'm saying? So for me personally nothing's changed, right? Nothing's changed, right? Um, I always believed in getting thing, getting deals. So you're going to get deals in a good market. You're going to get deals in a bad market. You're always going to get deals if you know how to find deals, yeah. right? So that just comes down to the strategy aspect of things. Mm-hmm. But I would be rallying. I would be going harder than you've ever gone before and preparing yourself to take advantage of it. So that way, if it does get as bad as what they say, you can take advantage of it. But if it doesn't, your business still move forward. You still move forward financially or whatever it might be. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that would be my recommendation because nobody knows what's going to happen. That's true, yeah. Know? Yeah, but, no, I, li- I like that you, that you kind of were saying how a lot of people do build their wealth within hard times. Mm-hmm. And it's true because, I mean, obviously I wasn't in the position to do anything in 2008, but I hear a lot of yeah. stories of so many people doing stuff in 2008 where they were able to actually profit because of things like that. Like there's opportunities, things go on sale, people want cash quick, and they're willing to sell things for half the price. And yeah. um, that's something that like, like I, I don't like want to say it in in where it sounds bad, but it's something that I'm excited for opportunity wise. Cause oh, it's not sure. like recessions aren't like, you know, handed out like every four years, you know, like yeah. it's kind of like once in a lifetime, maybe twice in a lifetime. Um, and so, and that's also maybe the perspective that I see it in. I'm not like afraid of it. Obviously you want to be cautious about certain things, but more of like, it's an opportunity where within like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you're able to expand or whatever it is. And, yeah. and it's really interesting to see how like everybody's like perspectives are so different. Some people are like in scarcity mode, cutting everything off. And then with, with, you know, a lot of fear driven, like reasoning behind it. And the media is a huge factor for that. hundred percent. You just got to be smart with it. You know, like, you know, Warren Buffett, one of my favorite quotes by Warren Buffett is when I'm blanking on the quote right now, but it's when people are greedy, be fearful. And when people are fearful, be greedy. Yeah. Like, even the first, one of the first properties that we bought or the first property that we bought um, was when COVID was going off, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was like the first three months of COVID, right? Yeah, yeah. Property, they were just trying to break even because they ended up buying another property. They listed the house and then it kept falling out of escrow because all these entrepreneurs and business owners were like, didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. And so we ended up buying the house 
for what the previous owner bought the house for seven years ago. And oh, it's in wow. Rancho Santa Fe, right? Yeah. So we ended up buying it for seven years ago's price yeah. today, right? That's Which is pretty yeah, powerful. Yeah. And just that, that alone being ready for it, right? Accumulated a lot because that house is worth like three and a half million. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's that true. when when everyone got fearful, when there was blood in the water, that's when mm, we went. You that's know? true. So yeah, like I yeah. said, you don't want to take advantage of people, right? I don't believe in that. But from a financial perspective, like there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. And you can buy things at a discounted rate that, you know, money's not made when you sell something, money's made when you buy something. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that's true. And I think also too, I heard um I was at this conference and this guy was talking about um, this recession coming up and he was saying how that money doesn't just disappear, it just transfers. Because yeah. a lot of people I feel like with scarcity mindset think that like, oh, the recession's coming, so my money's gonna disappear. But it's not that, it's like it's the same amount. If anything, there's more of it being circulated, mm -hmm. um, but it's just transferring. And it's the question is how do I get access to that transferring where it's transferring to me? Yeah. Um, and then valuable. exactly yeah exactly which is which is really interesting especially within the time, digital age and you're getting right now into content which is good um because even then uh, we were talking about this earlier where uh being you know in the position where you have people's attention where you become valuable in that sense that's another form of being able to create you know income oh, sure. you know like a lot of like for example like grant cardone has built this extremely huge reputation and then he has a conference and then within two minutes he's like yeah i'm gonna raise money for whatever it is and he can raise like about two million dollars in two yeah. minutes just like that and snap yeah. a finger because he has that influence um and that's even we were talking about earlier how uh, even alex harmozzi was saying how attention is a new currency mm -hmm. which is true and that's where i feel like a lot of the new um you know wealth create like at least people who are building wealth are going to come from is also from being able to gravitate attention especially because we're going in this digital age and even now going into um 2023 with this whole recession and all this like a lot of people are going to obviously be more like staying home and doing less of going out stop like spending money on clothes and doing fun activities that they're going to be more present in their house and when they're present in their house two things usually go up entertainment and mm -hmm. alcohol consumption so meaning for content creators it's a huge opportunity because then now there's more people who are, are willing to give more of their attention and that's something that i've realized uh, that i didn't never connected the dots like i've always connected the dots within the financial aspect but within the content creation aspect they didn't realize that that actually is a huge thing um, within recessions and within even hard times because for me personally in 2020, um, whenever COVID popped off, I, I had nothing to do for the first time in a long time because I had so many so many things going on, but everything just went on pause. And I was like, well, I, I, had, I haven't really used my camera in a while and I was like, I miss filming. <laughs> and so I started, I'm like, I'm like, let me do this podcast that I've been wanting to do called Food for Thought. And I've been putting it off for a while. And I'm like, now I have the time and I don't have an excuse. So I did it. And honestly, I didn't think it was that good. Like I thought it was pretty pretty mid. Um, but it did really well. People really liked it. And then in my head, I'm like, this makes no sense. Cause like I would make like one minute videos of like a super cool edit. Like if I went to like Puerto Rico or something and then it would get like maybe a hundred like, yeah. like views on it. And I'm like, I'm like, maybe I'm just not that good. But then I did this like almost 10 minute long video of me just talking and it did really well. It did like went to 2000, 5,000 views. And I was like, it's so weird to a point where it started blowing up. And I didn't, I didn't understand it, but then looking back on it now is because it was COVID, people were at home consuming more. Mm -hmm. And also not only that, but people were mentally in a state where 
they're looking for more people to like speak more inspirational stuff, more practical stuff that's like helping yeah. them grow or helping them put them in a position because it is it is a depressing time or it can be kind of how 2020 was, you know, one of the years that we had the most suicide rate and all stuff. So people are looking for that. Um, and I realized that I'm like, I didn't, I didn't connect those dots till like later this year where I was like, that's why those did so well. And then obviously that led to one thing, people hit me up to do their stuff. And then I just, you know, fast forward a year later, I ended up starting a whole company around it. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's really interesting to see uh, where, where you're gonna be financially and content creatively within this next year. But really quick, I wanna just pivot to the insurance game um, because I know that you, you have a lot of wisdom within this and, um, I personally, like I see people post about it on on Instagram and TikTok and I don't really, I never really pay attention to it because um, it just, it, I don't think it to me is like one of the sexiest ways to make money um, <laughs> because real estate is like super, like, seems super cool. Like crypto seems so like, in, yeah. like it's so much like, um, like a new, like digital age kind of thing. And then you think of like life insurance and it's like, man, yeah, literally <laughs> I'm like, it's a little like, kind of like, like morbid, you know, like, so it doesn't, it's not as, uh, interesting, but, uh, speaking to you and obviously these see, hearing this from other people, I'm like, there's something here. Um, and since we have you here, I would love for you yeah. to shed some light on it. Um, you know, why it's important and then maybe how wealthy people use it to leverage, um, you know, whether, you know, it's financially in business or whatever it is, like, what's the, what's the hype behind it? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I dude, it's so funny because when I got into life insurance game as well, I was like, I thought the same thing that it was yeah. death, right? I was yeah, like, yeah. Nobody's going to want to talk about dying, right? <laughs> but then you realize like, I mean, A, there's two different types of life insurance. There's death insurance, right, is what we call it, which is the kind that only pays out if you die. And then there's the life insurance, which mm. you can utilize as an asset class, right? Okay. To accumulate wealth and you can borrow against it and be able to use the same dollar twice, Right. Mm. Um, but I think for me, one of the reasons I got into it is because I realized the difference that I was making. Right. Like I'm one of those people that's very motivated by legacy. Right. Yeah. Um, and so when I look at the amount of families across America and I mean, across the world, but specifically in the United States, because of where we're at, there's so many families that are struggling. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's so many families that go through hard times, especially when a loved one passes away. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when I was in marketing and websites, the reason I left that cold turkey to get into the business is because I didn't feel a sense of fulfillment, right? Like when I help somebody mm -hmm. with the website, it's like, all right, I made, you know, they're happy for 15 minutes, right? But when I'm able to help somebody set up, you know, investments that are in insurance policies, right? Now I'm able to make sure that their unborn grandchildren prosper and benefit through the services that we're providing. So yeah. literally kids that have not been born yet are going to be better because of the services that I put in place for my clients. That's right? true. And yeah. that's a powerful thing where mm -hmm. now the legacy continues to leave on, live on, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what the Rockefellers did, right? The Rockefellers, the way that they had, I mean, they've remained billionaires for seven generations without paying taxes. Well, how's wow. that possible? Leveraging life insurance. And so one of the things that they did is they built a trust and in order to be welcomed into the family trust and have access to the billion dollar, multi-billion dollar estate, you got to have insurance policies where the beneficiary is the trust. So now mm. the money can pay out. If something were to happen to that person, that wealth now pays out to the trust 100% tax-free and they can keep everything tax-free because 95% of wealth is lost by the third generation. Mm. Rockefellers are seven generations deep now. Billionaires. Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's interesting. And so it's a way to transfer assets from one generation to the next, 100% tax-free, which is powerful. Um, but then, like I said, it's a way to be 
to leverage the same dollar twice. And so one of the things that you're able to do with insurance is you're able to use cash value as collateral and basically take out a loan to yourself where now you have money in an account that's earning interest while you have that same dollar that you technically just borrowed against the account and you can use it to flip real estate, buy property, yeah. um, start a business, whatever it might be. So now you're able to leverage the same dollar in two different places and build your wealth twice with the same dollar. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people do that regardless, but mm -hmm. with banks. Yeah. And they pay these interests to banks. So you become your own bank. Yeah. We call it the family banking strategy. Mm. That's interesting. That's something that I'm definitely looking into doing uh, this next year. That's awesome, man. I want to last question, and this is a question I like to ask a lot of people. Um, if you were to give yourself advice, let's say when you were 18 years old, uh, what would that be? I wish I would have been prepared for that question. <laughs> no, um, if I were to give myself advice, it would be That it's a lot easier than we make it seem to be hmm. you know i think we overcomplicate what it actually takes to become successful hmm. right um and that's in all areas i think we overcomplicate what it takes to have a successful marriage right obviously there's details in it right I yeah think people overcomplicate what it takes to get in shape right and i think it's just being patient with it hmm. right um but i would i would say in all honesty just just know that it's easier than it looks Right? Yeah, it's still hard. I'm not saying it's going to be completely easy. It's going to be sunshine and rainbows and you're going to have success, but yeah. it is easier. Like looking back at what we've built mm -hmm. so far. Right. And I feel like we're just getting started. But looking back at what we've built, looking back at what we've accumulated financially. Mm -hmm. Right. The only thought that goes in was like, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah. Right. And I think that's a big part of it. And then I would almost add a second part to it as well, where I would say that it's not just about working hard. You got to work smart. Right. Mm. I think for my first six years in entrepreneurship, I was an extremely hard worker, but I, I can only work so hard. There's only so many hours in a day. Mm -hmm. So I was busting my butt 16, 17 hours a day. And I realized that it's not about working hard because if it was just about working hard, the construction worker would be wealthy. Yeah. The um, nurse would be wealthy. Everyone would be wealthy if it was about working hard. You got to work hard at the right things that produce the highest rates of return. Yeah. And then do it with the intention and the purpose to replace yourself. So now you can take that time and energy that was once going to a task and apply it to higher rate of return performing tasks. Yeah. Right? So I think for, for many, many years, I just worked hard and I thought that was the answer. Like, I just got to work harder. It's got to work harder. I just got to work harder. It's got to work harder. And I was just exhausted, right? Yeah, I was like, yeah. how come my income is staying the same? My net worth yeah. is staying the same? Like I'm working my butt off, mm -hmm. right? And so I just realized that you, it's about working smart, not about working hard, mm -hmm. right? And I said, that would be a big, big yeah. piece of advice that if I knew that sooner. Okay, and by the way, I thought I knew, I thought I knew that. Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't up until even like a year and a half ago where I realized uh, how important leverage was. Right. Like you always hear like leverage is the favorite word of the wealthy. Right. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Like leverage, like delegate and pay thing. But yeah, but yeah. you don't really understand how important it is. Right. Yeah. Because like think about it like this. So an example I would use is like if it's me, okay, if like from a working hard perspective, mm -hmm. if I work 24 hours today, I'd be like beat my chest. I work so hard today, 24 hours. Yeah. Let's say you have 10 agents or 10 employees and all 10 of those employees worked three hours today. Mm -hmm. I outworked all 10 of those employees, but you worked more hours than me. Yeah. So True. who worked harder? 
me or you it's true you worked harder yeah right not because of the amount of hours you put in but because of how many amount of hours that you inspired to be put in you inspired more hours to be worked than i actually worked Mm. right so when i realized that yeah i started looking for everything that i could that i could delegate and or pay for it to be done where i can now spend my time in more profitable ways business-wise you'll be on that yeah 100 percent. yeah no that's good especially that's something i had to realize um when i started my business because it feels like you're like oh like it's just me i can you know if i do all the work i it's i can secure the hard work and i can also you know make sure i get paid more but then it's like when you start to realize that you can leverage other people's times to build a huge company to build like a huge legacy um one it's the only way to do it um and two you know you're you're able to do it in a way where you're actually outperforming people and then mm-hmm. even then like you're not burning yourself out because i know what it's like i i used to do that like work extremely hard thinking that if i like worked you know 15 hour days that i was like doing something and then i like i didn't realize it until i burnt out and realized that i didn't really do a lot and then to and for what you know yeah. and i ended up realizing that but that's good man that's really think, good advice i think part of it's scarcity you know like mm-hmm. i know it was for me right like, yeah i was afraid to give you the task because I knew if I did the task, it would get done efficiently, quickly, right? So then I realized, I was like, all right, well, how do I get you to complete the task at the same level as me? Yeah. Right? Being, knowing that, like, for instance, I think one of the worst things that you can ever expect as a leader in business or as an entrepreneur is that your employees are going to do as good a job as you are. Yeah. Like, it's, I mean, because think true. about it, like, it's not their business, right? It's true, yeah. So they're, they're the doing it for your yeah. business. You're doing it for your, you're doing it for your business. They're doing it for someone else's business. So there's no way they're going to give it the same amount of love and respect that you're going to give it. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. But it doesn't mean that they can't get the majority of it done well enough where you can now spend your time in a more profitable, financially rewarding way. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I had to learn to not be so scarce with it because I was, mm-hmm. I've always been that type of person. Like, I'm just going to do it myself. Like I yeah. know if I do it, it'll get done right. And it'll get done quick, quickly and efficiently. But in that same hour that I just did this task, that I could have paid somebody 20, 25, 30, 40 bucks yeah. to do. I could have spent that hour doing something else that could have paid mm-hmm. me 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. So now yeah. my time is not being leveraged properly, right? That's true. And I'm, you know, we always hear that time is more valuable than money. Well, if time is more valuable than money, imagine if you invested time in the right things, mm. right? Imagine the return mm-hmm. you'll get on your time if your time is invested properly. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. There's this book called, uh, the. that's funny because it's kind of like full circle, but it's like uh, Business Secrets from the Bible. It's like mm-hmm. one of my favorite books, hand down, hands down. And it talks about specialization, which is exactly that. And how, you know, why would you spend, you know, two hours of your week trying to cut your own grass knowing that you're not going to do it as well. Yeah. It's going to take you like probably a lot longer. And then on top of that, it's, taking, it's pulling you away from what you could be doing to make more money. And it may seem like paying somebody $200 a month to cut your grass feels like it's money out of your pocket. But in reality, those two hours that are, you know, applied to cutting your grass, let's say every week. So that's like two times four is eight hours a week that you could be working or eight hours a month. You could be working into your own business and make probably a thousand dollars. So you're paying 200 to make a thousand. So it's like different perspective for sure. Um, And I look at everything in that way, right? Like I'll give an example, my wife, (laughs) me and her the other day, I was like, babe, how, why do we keep these coffee pods here? Mm -hmm. And she was like, I don't know, we just put them there. I was like, I think it's costing us money. She was like, well, what are you talking about? I was like, well, 
Think about it. It takes an extra 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. Doesn't seem like a big deal. Yeah, yeah. What's 20 seconds over 365 days? Yeah, yeah. Now it starts adding up, right? Like every three days you wasted a minute, Mm -hmm. right? So that starts to add up very quickly where now you're wasting 35 minutes a year, 40 minutes a year, an hour Mm -hmm. a year. Even though it's only 20 second increments, Mm -hmm. it adds up over time, right? Now let's say 40 minutes, 40 minutes over, you know, 10 years, right? 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. So I started looking at everything that way, right? Even the littlest things. I started asking myself, like, what is the most simple and efficient way that we can accomplish the same thing without spending more time on it? Yeah. Right. That's good. That's good, man. Yeah. I I feel like I could talk about this all day. Um, But yeah, I just really want to wrap it up here. But before that, uh, I really want you to just look over at this camera and just tell the people where they can find you, your Instagram, if you have any type of other outlets that you want to give people, um, just take the time and do that. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, Instagram, it's Coach Matthew Welsh, W-E-L-S-H, right? So Coach Matthew Welsh. Um, And then same thing on TikTok. So Coach Matthew Welsh. Um, so those are the two places that you can probably find me. And then the link tree in my Instagram can point you to everything else like YouTube and everything, right? So Instagram is the main place. So once again, Coach Matthew Welsh, and there's a link tree that can point you to everything else. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, we're going to list all this down below within uh, the description. So if you want to go ahead and click on that and give them a follow, definitely great content, um, just especially out of a different perspective within business, leadership, and just even family and faith is one of the two things that I like to really consume from your content personally. And just a whole different way of like the way you explain things. And I definitely, I mean, not only, I'm not only saying that because we we do your content for you, but I I actually enjoy, you know, working with you and actually, you know, consuming that content. So I appreciate you for being on here. Thank you for having me, man. And thank you for all that you guys do. I mean it. You know, you guys have made my entire journey moving into social media. Um, You've made it smooth and and gave me a lot of confidence because it was something I was nervous about entering Mm. a new realm, you know. So I appreciate you guys. The entire Optic Element team has just been absolutely incredible. And I appreciate everything you guys have done for me. Thanks, man. It means a lot. Awesome.